This is On The Radar with me, your host, Radar. In today's podcast, we're going to do the NBA preview for the upcoming season. Yes, it was a very short offseason with the bubble and them being off until the bubble happened and only finishing the season pretty recently. So in this podcast, I will preview the East. And in the next podcast, I'll preview the West so that it's two separate entities so it's not that long. And at the end of this podcast... I will tell you how I think the Eastern Conference will finish and how the playoffs will work and who I think could win some awards out of the East as well. Okay, And at the end of the West one, I will tell you how the Western Conference will finish, who will get in the playoffs, and who will win the awards as well. So the first team, the number one team, and the best team in their own division is the Milwaukee Bucks in the Central Division. They have the two-time rating MVP, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and they still got Chris Middleton, who's a 3 and D guy who's made the All-Star team. And they still got Brooke Lopez, former All-Star center, who they've turned into a spacing center where he's out there to shoot three. Now, the offseason was all about, will Giannis, you know, re-up with the team when there's a, the deadline for it? Or he'll just leave the team and they'll get nothing. So there was rumors that they were going to try to improve the team. So there's rumors they were going to get Bogdan Bogdanovich from Sacramento Kings in a sign and trade, but it somehow broke some rule because the official day to do the signings and talking to free agents and all that other stuff didn't happen for a day or two. And probably some team, a team that really wanted him or thought that was just a, uh, you know, a cheap move, reported it and the deal fell through and he went and signed somewhere else. So that would have helped them because if him and Middleton would have been both the shooters you want on the floor, it would take some pressure off both Middleton and Giannis. So they don't have him. So they keep some of their depth in that sign trade, which is fine. The trade they didn't make was they get Drew Holiday, former All-Star and All-Defensive Team player Drew Holiday, who was just on the Pelicans recently. He's a great defender. He can play. He can guard all the guard positions, and he can play both guard positions. You know, he is not like a liability at six three that he can guard shooting guards. So he, besides from the fact that he's an All-Defensive player, he can shoot the three, and he's a former All-Star, is the fact that he can have the ball in his hand and he can facilitate and set people up. As good as Giannis is, he's a big man. He's the guy who's in the, who gets all the scoring from the paint. Yes, he's improved his jump shooting from mid-range and even three-pointing a bit, but he's not the facilitator. He's not the guy you want the ball in the hand late in the game making decisions because that hasn't helped him. So Holiday will help Giannis and Middleton that he's out there with the ball in his hand making decisions. And if Giannis kicks the ball back to him, I know we all know we can hit a clutch shot and he can go out there and guard the best defensive player along with Middleton on the wing. The thing is, though, to get him, they got rid of both George Hill and Drew Bledsoe, uh, and excuse me, Eric Bledsoe, everybody makes that mistake, and Eric Bledsoe and George Hill, they aren't as good as Drew Holiday is, but then having both of them is your depth. So that's why they went and got D.J. Augustine. So I feel like D.J. Augustine, George Hill is a toss-up, really, and Drew Holiday is clearly better than all three of them, so that's good. They got to keep Pat Connington and Dante DiVincenzo, and they got Tory Craig as well, so that will help with their depth there at the guard wing position. And they still have Brook Lopez, as I said, at the big man spot. But what will hurt them is his 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 brother, Robin Lopez, has left them, and he was great as the backup center who grabs rebounds and plays defense. They don't really have that guy. They went and got Bobby Portis, and Bobby Portis is a hustle guy. He can grab rebounds and he can and he can shoot as well, but. Robin Lopez is a much superior defensive player and a much better rebounder, and he's seven foot. Bobby Portis is barely six ten, so losing Lopez and both point guards just to have one point guard and that Bogdanovich trade not going through, I don't see the Bucks, you know, making the NBA Finals or even the Conference Finals after they were upset by the Miami Heat in the playoffs this year. And also, yeah, when they got upset, Giannis was injured, but even when Giannis was playing, they weren't that they weren't playing at the best of their capabilities. And even though Giannis has officially did sign that Supermax contract extension and he's going to be there for a while, it doesn't mean that in the future, like James Harden right now, for an example, wants out. Or Russell Westbrook and Paul George, who signed those Max deals and stayed in Oklahoma City, they got traded. So Giannis, even though he's staying now, he may in three years want to trade because they're not going to do anything. So I don't feel like the Bucks are going to be that team that goes to the finals or even the Eastern Conference finals because they lost their good backup center. They got rid of some of their depth, and yeah, they got Torrey Craig, and they got DJ Augustine, and they did keep Connaughton and DiVincenzo. They don't have, and they got this Brian Forbes guy as well. They uh, they don't have Kyle Korver anymore, and uh, Kyle Korver was good for them as a veteran, and he uh, and is one of the greatest three-point shooters in league history. 
So, yeah, they don't have him. And they also don't have Ilyasova as well. So, when you don't have Ilyasova and you also don't have Kyle Korver, that's two good veteran shooters off your bench. And it's good to have Chenjo, Connaughton, Augustine, Torrey Craig, and Forbes can be. It's not going to equal that along with George Hill and Bledsoe. So, Holiday is going to help them. They're still going to probably have the best record in the whole entire Eastern Conference, and maybe they'll get to the Eastern Conference Finals or the Finals, but I'm not betting on them even with the addition of Drew Holiday because Bogdanovich really would have helped them. So it's their division to lose. It's also their conference to lose, but I'm not sold on them actually, you know, being the team to beat in that. Now, in their own division, you got the Indiana Pacers, who are always going to be good enough to be in the playoffs. They could be a fifth or they could be a sixth seed or even a seventh seed. Because last year they were a fourth seed. And the thing about the Pacers is they, um, they've they had last the, the previous season before the bubble, the issue that they had was that Oladipo got hurt and missed the second half of the season in the playoffs. This time he was missing the first half and then got back for the second half and they weren't sure if he was going to play or play well in the bubble. So, yeah, that's the thing. They... um. They're just good enough to be a playoff team, and they're good enough that they, they're the second-best team in that division. Because if Victor Oladipo's healthy for a full season with Malcolm Brogdon, the two of them pairing with the Holiday brothers, and then off the bench you got T.J. McConnell, and you got Jeremy Lamb and Doug McDermott, that's not a bad core. So they're, like, they're a deep team, but not with many stars, even though Oladipo's an all-star. Now, they also will get like a full season of T.J. Warren, and Miles Turner, Sabonis, all in the front court, and their starting five is really good. When you got Miles Turner, who is probably a top ten center, top five center, because there aren't too many good centers in the NBA anymore with the way the game is changing, and Sabonis and Oladipo, who made also team of Brogdon and Warner, really good players. They got a great starting five, and as I said, their bench that has McDermott, McConnell, Jeremy Lamb, and the two Holiday brothers. Eh, it's not bad. It's a pretty good bench. So that's why I'm saying they're kind of a deep team. It's just. I don't know how they're going to be good this year because they they fired Nate McMillan, the former Portland Shell Blazers head coach and the former NBA player who p- played for a bunch of teams, including Seattle. He's taken to the playoffs pretty much every year. You couldn't blame him. His best player missed time the last two years. So they fired him, and they went and, and, they went and hired like a um, a coach who's a, like a career, career, you know, assistant coach with Nate Rajokrin, who worked under Nick Nurse. Now, it's nice and dandy there that they went and said, you know what, we're going to change things up and we're going to get a new coach who's been there, who's been coaching for years and he finally deserves a chance as he's been an assistant for the Suns and also was a G League coach. But, yeah, they didn't make it real into the best that he could with the injuries he had because Sabonis also missed time last year with the bubbles. So, Indiana, you're probably going to be a playoff team and you probably are not going to be a top four seed. I think you're going to be in that six to seven range, just barely make, just above the, the the eighth spot where it's a guarantee that the Pacers make the playoffs. It's a matter of they're not going to have the fourth seed. I'm not even sure if they're going to have the fifth seed this year. So they're probably a six or seven seed, but they do have a great starting five. They got some depth at the guard position. The thing that they don't have is the depth at the big man position if Sabonis or Miles Turner go out. The only thing they could do is play Teeter Warner stretch four, but that's not really the best thing because, as I said, their, their depth at the big man position is very slim. They got one other center on their team, and that's it. Now, there were rumors they were going to trade Miles Turner for Gordon Hayward. I didn't think that would help them. It would have only helped the Celtics. So, Indiana's second-best team in that division, they're going to make the playoffs. Just they're not going to have a higher seed. And I don't really know if the new coach is really going to be as good as Nick Fillon has been in figuring out the starting five and – you know, the, all the guards they have. Now, the other team in that division is Detroit. Now, think about Detroit is when Sam Van Gundy was the head coach, they made the playoffs maybe once or twice. And now that they're in another year with their head coach, you know, Dwayne Casey, they uh, they didn't they obviously did not make the playoffs last year. They weren't even invited to the bubble. They had a bad year. And that was because midseason they traded Andre Drummond, their best player. Blake Griffin missed most of the season because he was injured. Derrick Rose also missed some time. So they're one of those teams, the Pistons, where you got Blake Griffin, who's a multiple-time All-Star. Derrick Rose, another multiple-time All-Star and MVP. But both of them, common theme is they can't stay healthy. Now, if the two of them are healthy, they still have the uh, overall game and ability, even if it's not as good as it used to be, to help a team get to the playoffs. 
I just can't rely on both Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin to be your two stars and for the two of them to be healthy, and you don't have Andre Drummond anymore. And what you did was, you know, you went and signed Mason Plumlee and Julie Okafor. The two of them are nice. They're nice, you know, they're nice role players. Okafor is not as has limited potential, but at this point, Okafor is a good role player or backup, and same thing with Mason Plumlee. If one of them's your starter, that's fine if the rest of your team is great. Now, the other thing is they went also and got Jeremy Grant as well. Now, Jeremy Grant is that guy where he's going to, to, uh, to uh, you know, guard all three front court positions. He can grab rebounds. He can also play defense. Like that, that was a good pickup. But really, what getting Jeremy Grant was is that they replaced Kristen Wood because Kristen Wood left the team. Now, if you're replacing a, one of these up-and-coming young players in Kristen Wood and you're just replacing him with Jeremy Grant, it's like shuffling the musical chairs. You said I traded, they said it, I said they traded Drummond, you get Plumlee Noko for that again. Just uh, shuffling the deck. They got youngster Josh Jackson, they got DeLon Wright, and they got Ronnie McGruber. Like, those are, again, are shuffling the pieces because Langston Galloway, Luke Kennard, Luke Kennard, and Tony Snell are gone. And... And, yeah, they brought in Wayne Ellington, too, and he's a great three-point shooter, but maybe the Josh Jackson move is a good idea because the dude has only been in the league for a couple of years, and that can help them going forward. But they're they're not, they're not going to be in a team where they're in that chance, probably, for that playing game for the ace seed because I don't think it's a guarantee to make the playoffs this year. Sorry to Dwayne Casey and his team. It's just... Yeah, they drafted Killian Hayes. Like they get an A for that. All the lights, all the sites said he could be the top player on the draft board. He's a versatile big guard who has terrific playmaking ability. They say if Fidel was offhand and improve his outside shooting, they may have gotten a steal. So, Killian Hayes, good pickup by them. But again, can he play alongside Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin and one of the big men? And then maybe Jeremy Grant does play some small forward, or maybe the Wayne Ellington plays some small forward. That's really what's gonna come down to is that the Pistons have two former great players. They got themselves good role players, as I mentioned, in Okafor, Plumlee, Delon Wright, and Wayne Ellington, and they got a really good player in Jeremy Grant, who's really up there. And they drafted really well in the first round with Killian Hayes, and they also drafted this backup center Isaiah Stewart, who some people thought was a good lottery pick, but he's. Definitely has a ceiling to be this, uh, the future center of this team. That is that is a good thing for them. So, yeah, they got two good picks that they could build for the future. They got a good team of role players that they got in. But, again, musical chairs to replace the guys that had left their team. And Jeremy Grant replaces Kristen Wood, and they're both good players. But, again, I feel like if this team is not in the playoff race and they're just really out of it, trade Derrick Rose to a team that somebody can use him. Like, there are a lot of teams that can use him. See if somebody wants Wayne Ellington shooting, somebody wants backup big men Plumlee Okafor or DeLon Wright shooting, because that's really what it's going to come down to. Because they got two young players in that is going to play for them, and they got a third player. So they got three players in their first round. They got themselves a center a, and two guard forward, and a guard and a forward. So for them, it, they're really about just going to the future if they had themselves four draft picks in this year's draft. And... Hayes is going to be is supposed to be very good, and and Stewart's supposed to be potentially good, and it's a good thing they got those veteran big men and Jeremy Grant because then he could uh he doesn't have to play right away. Bay he could just Sadiq Bay can just continue just to to develop as a player. That's that's, that's Sadiq Bay. Yeah, it's Isaiah Stewart. Like Isaiah Stewart, then he can wait. Excuse me for the other guys to develop, and the Sadiq Bay and and. And Killian Hayes, they got the they got the goodness of having Derrick Rose on their team, and DeLon Wright and Wayne, and Wayne Ellington and Blake Griffin. They can learn from them as well. Plumlee Plumlee could teach them how to play the game. So just imagine the feature. They got Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay, Josh Jackson, and the Stewart guy, and then Jeremy Grant. It's not a bad lineup going forward. They got to think about the future because they're not a. You don't want to be that team where you're right at the middle and then you're maybe a playoff team and not. Then you're too bad to have a good lottery pick. But yeah, that's the Pistons thing. They got it's a very interesting uh, team and what they have. It's just really going to depend on the health of the best players in this, on, on, of the two best players in this team. And now the Chicago Bulls, who are the local team here in Chicago, and my my favorite team, as I can say, could be biased, is that 
the Bulls finally got rid of Boylan. It was silly to give him an extension before he even, even coached. Then it was very stupid that, you know, you then, okay, you go hire Arturis Carnosaur from Denver and make him president. He hired his own GM and his own assistant GM, so they got their, their brain trust of three people. And Gar Foreman was fired, let go. John Paxson resigned. It was like, finally, they get to move on from that. Then they hired Billy Donovan, where they finally hired a head coach who was not a career assistant like Vinny Del Negro or Tom Thibodeau or, or you know, Boylan. They didn't hire somebody who never coached an NBA, like Fred Hoidberg. The last time the Bulls hired a coach with head coaching experience in the NBA that was actually had some success was Scott Skyle, and that was a long time ago. And Thibodeau, yes, he had some some sex, but some some success. Not excuse me, success. But that's more the fact that he had a good team around him. So the Bulls had all the pieces. They got the new front office in. They got the new head coach. And this head coach decided he was going to bring Mo Cheeks in, the Hall of Famer, who's from Chicago. He worked with in Oklahoma City. They brought a longtime Bucks coach, Chris Fleming, in. So they, they decided, you know, we're going to revamp the coaching staff as well. Everything was online for the Bulls to be where they're supposed to be, where last year was predicting to be the AC. And I think that was silly because the Bulls finally had an offensive team, Zach Levine and Markkinen and Otto Porter Jr. and Wendell Carter Jr., Wendell Carter Jr., and then they drafted Kobe White. I'm like, this is the team that if Fred Hoiberg had a young team that can run up and down the court, young gun, young gun team where they can just do it all, yeah, that's what he wanted. The team didn't fit with Boylan's philosophy of a defensive approach when none of the guys are really great defensively, except for when they had Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn was the only player on the team last year who I thought plays really good defense out of anybody who started games. They now got Donovan, who we're going to see how how we can uh, develop marketing and Levine and Carter because Levine would have some good games and Mark would have some good games. Carter can't stay healthy. Uh, Mark would also miss time due to injury. And Otto Porter barely played any games. And then Kobe White is a good shooter score, but is he like Russell Westbrook where he played both guard positions in college and he's not the best ball handler, best facilitator, but he's also not the tallest guy to play shooting guard, but he could still be a shooting guard. So you got all these questions. So the Bulls, uh, so I was thinking for the Bulls, Kobe White is more of a scorer. Zach Levine's more of a scorer. Marketing needs somebody to facilitate, and so does Wendell Carter. And Otto Porter Jr., you can facilitate and set him up for three. So he's an off-ball, he could be an off-ball shooter. The, so the next step was, what do the Bulls need? They could draft a point guard. They can draft a center because Wendell Carter Jr. is actually only 6'9". He's not that tall. He looks a little undersized playing center. And I know a lot of teams are playing stretch fours and even stretch fives. But Laurie Market, even though he's actually taller than him, like he's a seven-footer, Laurie Market is a is a shooter. He's a scorer. He's a stretch four. He's not a center. So that's why Wendell Carter is the center, not the power four on this team. Plus the way the game is played now. So you're like, okay, we got that. Otto Porter can never stay healthy, and they're paying a lot of money, so he should not be relied on. So he should be a backup. Zach Levine's already lived up to his ceiling, but he's not the great the facilitator. And we know Kobe White hasn't turned into a point guard so far, and that's been a thing. So the Bulls. Had the ability to, with the fourth pick, get whatever they wanted. And uh, that that's what it was. And obviously everybody knew that Anthony Edwards would go with the first pick in the draft. As the Warriors were either going to trade their pick or they were going to draft somebody. They drafted Wiseman. So the Bulls did not get Wiseman a center. Hornets drafted LaMelo Ball. And you're like, cool, cool, cool. They got themselves their tall point guard. And then the players, there was a... Jay Billis said Tyrese Hilburn. That's a guy who the Bulls should draft. And I'm like, eh, I haven't heard about him and what he's capable of doing. And he, again, he's like a two guard. So it's like, okay, the Bulls already have a two guard. We don't really need him. Then I was like, well, okay, maybe the Bulls can draft Obi Toppin. He's a big man, and that would work out. Or the next guy up was Isaac Okuro, who, again, is a, is a two guard at 6'5", but he also could play the small forward spot as a wing. Then, as we mentioned, the Pistons drafted Killian Hayes. He's a two-guard, so they, that's another one. Then the Hawks drafted uh, Aneke Ankanwu, who, again, the Bulls could have drafted because, again, he's 6'9", but he's not, but, and he's a power forward center. But, again, like Wendell Carter is not the best thing. Then there's other players in the draft, like Cole Anthony, who's a guard, you know, like a shooting point guard. The Bulls could have done that. Then they had RJ Hampton as another guard that people talked about before the the pandemic shut down. He's another guard. Like they could have drafted any of those guys. They and then but the one that they projected to get, the one everybody was talking about, was point forward Denny 
Avidio, who's the, from Israel, where he can shoot the three. He's a he's a point forward. He's a facilitator like LeBron, Scottie Pippen, Kevin Durant, Luka Doncic. He's like a wing player who can handle the ball really well, and he's not that short either. And it would have been perfect. He would facilitate for Zach Levine, Laurie Market, Wendell Carter, put Otto Porter to the bench, and really help Kobe White out so he doesn't always have the ball in his hands. That would have been great. But guess what? The Bulls did not do that, and they went and drafted Patrick Williams, who is 6'9". And the thing about Patrick Williams is he kind of reminds me too much of, of when the Bulls drafted James Johnson. And James Johnson was what you called a small forward. He wasn't the greatest three-point shooter, and he's a tweener because he's not that tall to be a power forward. Now, I know this guy is like 19 years old, and he still has time to grow because some players can still grow when they're 19, 20, 21. And, you know, that that's what I'm saying. So that's the thing. I was like, okay, he's young. He can grow. And maybe by the time he gets to like 25, he could not be 6'8". He could be, because not even 6'9", he's 6'8". I thought maybe he could be, if he grows two to three more inches, he'd be 6'10", 6'11", and maybe he could play center in this league. Maybe, maybe. But the Bulls could have drafted him by trading either Wendell Carter Jr. out of Porter. They could have traded Daniel Gaffer. They could have traded uh, Luke Cornett. They could have traded even Tomaso Doreski or Denzel Valentine to some team to trade back up into the end of the first round because Patrick Williams could have been a late first-round draft pick. But, of course, he was not. The Bulls could have had the Denji of a guy. They could have had a center, Obi Toppin, and some other center. They could have had a point guard. There was a French point guard on the board. There were some other point guards. They could have had a point guard. Denji, they could have had Denny Avedila, you know. And uh, they could have Denny Avdia. They could have had Obi Toppin, other center. They could have had point guards. And there could have, there could have, there were some other role play. There's some other wing players that could have drafted that really could have helped them, like Okoro. But they did not. So let's just move on and say they made it. They finally got the fourth pick in the draft. The last time they had a high pick was when they drafted Jay Williams, motorcycle accident. Derrick Rose, no-brainer number one. And they drafted Marcus Aldridge, but then they traded him for the, the fact that Aldridge was at his ceiling and Tyrus Thomas had all this great potential. And they were given Victor Kriapa as well, who was a nice role player. That Those moves, I just got to move on. They made a mistake there. I'm not, I know it's too early to say, but they could have had this guy and, another, and, and it's one of the better players, and their team would have been better, and they could have been a playoff team. So this season will all be about the new front office, you know, you know, the uh, the new front office, Billy Donovan and his new coaching staff, are tourists and Bill. They got to make a decision this year: Is Wendell Carter Jr. ever going to stay healthy, and can he be a center in the NBA? Or would it be better, much is it be better off to give Daniel Gafford more chances to play center? Will Chandler Hutchinson, Denzel Valentine, Arthur Porter, any one of those guys ever stay healthy to play small forward? If not, we got to move on for some of those guys, okay? And the other thing is, is Zach Levine got to his ceiling where we know he's a great scorer. He's a high flyer. He's improved his three-point shooting, but he's still not a great defensive player or the best facilitator in the world. Can we trade him and see if we can get young players in return or a first-round draft pick from teams like maybe the Nets or the Nuggets or some other team that would say we need one more player to put us over the top at the two-guard slash, you know, Maybe a undersized small four like they, they that could be the case is that there's a team that just wants an established NBA player who's an all-star caliber border and then they give the Bulls something instead. The other question is can Laurie Markin stay healthy? Can in this offense for Billy Donovan will he become more consistent? So if he's more consistent, then keep him. Zach Levine, if he reaches ceiling, you could trade him. If it's Wendell Carter Jr. is not going to become an everyday center and he can't stay healthy, trade him. If any of the small forwards who can't stay healthy, trade him. Kobe White, we're hoping he can develop. But if we do trade Zach Levine, I mean, they trade Zach Levine, excuse me, he can maybe move over to point guard. And the Bulls are not making the playoffs this year. They should trade Tomas Tenoretsky. They should trade Garrett Temple, who they signed to a deal. They should trade Thaddeus Young, who they still have. Maybe trade Denzel Valentine, like True Cornett. Trade Ryan Cornett or, or, you know... Any of these guys. I was saying, they got so many role players, and I just understand this. How many power fours they got? They got one, two. They got one, two. They got three, four, five, six, seven. So they got like seven power forwards where Felicio and Gafford are center power forwards. So just like, I don't know why I have to have like seven power forwards. Again, it makes no sense. So yeah, the Bulls draft grade for now is I'm giving it a, a D because it's like, what are you doing? And then the second round pick is a guy who's not even going to come over and play here. And all they did in the offseason was the, the horrible draft decision and Garrett Temple and bringing back Valentine. They're getting a bad grade. Also, because when you lose Chris Dunn, who could play defense and facilitate, and Shaquille Harrison, who's a good hustle player, again, not the best. So they're not going to be a playoff team. 
Then the other team in the division who's worse than the Bulls is the Cavaliers because they back-to-back years drafted point guards, went undersized point guards. When you know you got to draft something different. You don't, you know, you're not going to draft yourself the same type of player every single year. That that would be silly. You want to diversify. You want to get better. And you go, they, they, you know, so this year they made the right decision. They drafted Isaac Okoro, who's listed as small forward, and he's a typical 3 and D wing player, and he could play alongside those guards. And at the deadline, they went and got themselves Andre Drummond. So they now have a center who picked up his option. I don't know how long he's going to stay there, but if you, for just one season, you got Andre Drummond at center, and you drafted Darius Garland last year, who's also a 6'1", undersized point guard, and you still have yourself Colin Sexton again, both of them, both point guards are 6'1". They really can't play with each other, so one's a backup. And you pair them with Isaac Okoro, who is, you know, 6'6", also, so he's not even the biggest small forward. Again, two two undersized point guards, an undersized small forward, Okoro. But again, Okoro could definitely be a top-five player from this draft. And you pair them with Andre Drummond for a full season. The thing is that this team has is they lost Tristan Thompson. That's fine. They got Andre Drummond. They went and got JaVale McGee in a trade. They picked up Thon Maker, who's never lived up, who's never fulfilled his potential. And they still have Larry Nance Jr. on their roster and Kevin Love. So the thing about the Cavaliers is, besides from drafting two point guards who undersized back-to-back year, they, they decided to hire the head coach, Beeline, who was you know coaching in Ohio, who never coached in the NBA and gave him a job. And they signed him to a multi-year deal. It's like the first time in years where a coach decides to resign and he's not even full through his first full season. He's like... That's it. It was a wasted time. It was an experiment. I shouldn't have done it because he was saying things that may have offended young players or African-Americans. And it just didn't really work out because it was like he didn't belong, even though you think he would get along with young players because he coached in college. It just did not work out. So they screwed up on the coach last year, and they screwed up on the draft picks and drafting two point guards on their side. So this year they said to, you know, they, they hired John Bickerstaff. And John Bickerstaff, will hopefully, because, you know, he's a young guy, you know, J.B. Bickerstaff, his father coached in the league before, and he himself has been an assistant before, and he coached Memphis briefly, that that it will work out for them that to go with a younger guy who's been there before, and it can move forward. But if I were them, you got to see who wants Kevin Love, because there's plenty of teams like the Warriors, the Nets, the Miami Heat, plenty of teams who are in the playoffs would love to get Kevin Love, and that's where I'm thinking they got to trade him. They got the two young point guards from the past two drafts. They got Isaac Okuro. And, yeah, you, you might as well just move on. Now, Now for the Cavaliers, they also need to try to trade Matthew Deladova. They should trade JaVale McGee because I don't think it's going to help anybody that he's on the team all season long. Because if they build around those two point guards, Isaac Okuro, they still got the youngster, Seti Ozman as well. And Thon Maker, who, again, seven-footer. Who's really a, who's a tall guy, who's all about his draftability and thing is he's this tall guy. But the problem is the NBA has moved past these freak of nature tall guys who stand by the basket and not a great shooter, and it doesn't really work on this team if you got Javale McGee and Drummond getting minutes as center, and then you have Larry Nance Jr. and Kevin Love getting minutes power forward. Where's Don Maker go? And Dante Exum and like Matthew Dellavedova, at this point in his career he's a backup. So it's like they got a lot of veteran guys they should trade and just get draft capital. And they should uh, develop young talent of the new coaching staff and build around Garland, Sexton, Ozman, and Akuro. Because Drummond's going to be afraid at the end of this season. It's a one-year deal. He's really not going to be there. So that's why you got to gotta signal this rebuild a lot quicker. So the Cavaliers are probably going to be one of the worst teams in the league. And they're not going to make the playoffs. Now, the Celtics, the, uh, the Celtics last year, where the number three seed and they ha- and you know this year I really think that the Celtics are going to like have a much better they're not going to be a three seed I think the Celtics are, be, are going to be much better they're going to be the best team in their division the Atlantic division and they're also going to be the second best seed and I feel like maybe they have a good chance of getting to the NBA finals and, uh, and of course obviously getting to the Eastern Conference final getting to the final because Jason Tatum grew two inches. Like I was mentioning earlier about Patrick Williams, maybe he can grow. He grew two inches, Jason Tatum, and he is now 6'10". And he's a, and I always ever thought he's a shooting guard, power, uh, small forward. Well, he's 6'10", so he's the size of a power forward, and he handles the ball like a guard, and he can shoot the ball like a guard. And, they, like, the sky's the limit for this guy. And I feel like if 
he's already been an all-star and he was really good his rookie year in the bubble and he was um and uh he was um and he was good in the bubble this year but man he had taken that next step and he grew two more inches and Jalen Brown, I feel like he could be one of the guys up for most approved player of the year because, again, the two of them are the head of that team. Now, they did lose Gordon Hayward in free agency. You know, they didn't get to trade him for anybody. And they did also lose Ennis Kanter a well in free agency. But that's fine. Ennis Kanter, he's a nice, at this point in his career, he used to be a power forward. He's a nice role player center. And Gordon Hayward hasn't been the same player since his injury. So they kind of dodged the bullet there. They don't have to pay him all that money. And instead of having Gordon Hayward, they can use that money on other positions. So this year in the draft, they got a guard named Aaron Nedsmith. They, you know, the draft people said he's pretty good. He's, you know, a pretty good three-pointer. And if he can back up Jalen Brown, and they can also, you know, play him in a small ball lineup if you move everybody over, that's good off the bench. And they drafted another guy, a, you know, a backup point guard in Peyton Pritchard, who... He's got the ability to be a ball handler. So, again, they got two backup young players at the end of the draft. And they drafted Yam Madar from Israel. So, they drafted three guards to, again, just get to that organizational depth that they really need on this team. And at the same time, they also signed Jeff Teague. Now, Jeff Teague, the former All-Star of the Hawks, and he's been on Minneapolis before. He and that rookie point guard are going to really help out the fact that we all know that Kemba Walker is an all-star. He's a great player, but the dude can't stay healthy, and he's going to miss time to start the season. So having Jeff Teague and that young guy until Kemba Walker comes back, and then he had the three big, you know, depth at the point guard position. And then they got Tristan Thompson. Now, Tristan Thompson was, was a power forward years ago. Now he's a center. Now, Tristan Thompson can actually play defense and grab rebounds. Ennis Cannon wasn't the greatest defender or the greatest rebounder, just a score. So they got a great defensive center now in Thompson to play there, and they got Jeff Teague off the bench. So losing Gordon Hayward, where you already have the fact that Tatum is, has already exploded as a great player, and you're looking at Jalen Brown, those are two wing players. You really don't need, you know, Gordon Hayward. Now for them, though, it's really going to fall on semi, you know, Samaya Ojale and um, Daniel Tice. Who's, you know, at 6 to 8, they list them as their power forward center. It's going to really fall on their development to overplace, to, you know, to make up for what you don't have with Gordon Hayward. But, as I said, they drafted, three, they drafted a couple of young players in the draft at guard. You know, one's a wing player, one's a point guard. They brought Jeff Teague and they brought Tristan Thompson, and they still got Marcus Smart. So, if you got Kemba Walker, Marcus Smart, Jeff Teague, a rookie point guard, Jalen Brown, a rookie point guard, and Tatum has exploded, and you went and got Tristan Thompson. And you still have Taco Fall, who they're hopefully going to get more minutes to him play because he's a 7-5. Like, that's going to be hard to defend. So they got better. And Brad Stevens always going to be there because he's one of the best coaches in the league. That the Celtics have probably the best chance to win their division this year. Probably the best chance of being the upsetting again Milwaukee or whoever in the playoffs and being and representing the East because of, it's really on Jason Tatum, who if A.J. Tatum leads to like the number two seed and he's playing out of his mind, he could also win MVP. As I said, Jalen Brown, most improved player of the year. You know, Jeff Teague it come off the bench, but he could be up for, you know, sixth man of the year, you know, comeback player of the year, that sort of thing. So I'm really buying high on the Celtics this year to make the playoffs as the as the second best team in the East, but then probably come out of there. And then the 76ers, though, they're, they're a team where every year in the playoffs, they just don't go where they really want to go. And so they just said, sorry to Brett Brown, I know you stayed with this team through all the years of tanking, which we called the process, where we were just horrible, and we kept trying these all these first-round picks, and they didn't work out. And they finally, and, and so like they just said, sorry, Brett Brown, we know you did all this stuff, and your and you, your hair turned gray, and you do all these things, but um, sorry, you're uh, you're goodbye. We're not a uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna keep you around because there's too good of a chance also as well when they fired him that guess who happened to be available. Doc Rivers won a championship with the Celtics. He's taking the Clippers to the playoffs every year he's been there. So they got themselves a new head coach thinking, okay, we get the guy who was in L.A. making the playoffs and won the championship with the Celtics. Let's see if he can get the most out of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons playing together, which I don't know how that's, how, if he's going to be able to figure that out. They went and got Daryl Morey to become president, and they still kept Elton Brand as GM. So Daryl Morey, one of his first moves he made for the Sixers this year was, we're going to figure out a way where we can get rid of Al Horford's contract, where he doesn't really fit with Joel Embiid being one of the best centers in the league and Ben Simmons being super freak in nature, tall, 
guy at point guard when you know he's 6'10", that we really need the floor space, and we can't have Al Horford there, even though Al Horford can shoot three. And Al Horford's really like, he finally got to play power forward, but it's too late now in the NBA to do that. And he did a great job by getting rid of Al Horford and Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson, he's still pretty young, so when he's going to Dallas, he has a good chance to be good for Dallas. But he wasn't the greatest three-point shooter, which is what they need, because they had Ilyasova and then Bellinelli and all these shooters. And every couple, every, the past couple offseasons before this year, before the bubble, they were getting rid of all these three-point shooters, and that's why the team in the regular season wasn't doing well, and that's why they finished with like the sixth seed last year. Because again, they kept lose, they kept letting go all the shooters, which is stupid. That's when they had success shooters around them, and that's why they kept losing in the playoffs. So in all these different moves, they went and got Danny Green, who people were killing in the NBA Finals, but he's a veteran three-point shooter. They went and got themselves Seth Curry from Dallas, who's considered one of the greatest three-point shooters statistically of all time. Seth Curry's you know, he's the brother of Steph Curry. And, as I said, they're not, they got really out of the contract. So that's what I'm saying. So that really helps them in that way. And Terrence Ferguson, this young player from from the Thunder, will help them because he can shoot threes. And Tobias Harris doesn't have to worry about being a three-point shooter and all that stuff because he's got all these guys around him. Dwight Howard gets to go to this team as a veteran big man who could uh, come off the bench and really help them out because Embiid doesn't really, didn't really have a good backup. So that's going to help them. And then in the draft, they did a very good job where they drafted Tyrese Maxey, this guard. And they say that some say his shooting struggles are a reason why, you know, it's a bad idea. That as long as this guy, Tyrese Maxey, improves his three-point shooting, it will help this team. But really what's going to help the Sixers no longer not, you know, losing the playoffs in the first round, really, is they're going to probably have the top four seed. Because Doc Rivers is going to breathe new life in the team. Seth Curry, Terrence Ferguson, and Danny Green are going to be great three-point shooters. You know, they don't have to worry about Josh Richardson and Al Horford clogging up the court because they can't shoot threes well. And maybe Ben Simmons will have more room in the paint to operate if and when all these with all these shooters on this team. So I think the Sixers are going to have a better record this year and have a better season. They're just not good enough to win the championship. And then. The new, the Brooklyn Nets, though, last year Kyrie Irving played, and I don't understand why he played if he wasn't the most healthiest person in the world. He could have just, you know, stayed out a bit, and the Nets maybe not made the playoffs. Because when the Nets went to the bubble, all these guys, like, tested positive for COVID-19. They were injured. So they had a bunch of, like, people on there, like Jamal Crawford and, like, I think Michael Beasley and all these other guys who played for them at, like, the end of the year. Maybe around about Beasley, but they had all these guys that played for them at the end of the year. And... The thing about the Nets is if this is if Kevin Durant, who obviously didn't play last year, and then the season got pushed back even further because of the bubble and the Olympics got pushed back, he is uh, it's gonna really help them there because he then all this time off. So imagine him and Kyrie Irving fully healthy, and they kept Joe Harris, who's one of the best three-point shooters in the league. And at this, so right there, that's the three there. Then they kept Spencer Dinwiddie, who's a great backup guard off the bench. They kept the Jared Allen at center, who's a nice young center who, you know, he's, six, he's like a great rim protector. And they also kept themselves Karis LeVert, who will hopefully not have the effect that the young players in Boston had, and he'll actually play well alongside Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And they still and they got Landry Shamet from the Clippers. I don't know why the Clippers got rid of him, but again, that just helps them have, between him and, and LeVert, they got two young shooting guards on this team. They got Tareem Prince off the bench. They got... Tyler Johnson off the bench still. They they still have uh, DeAndre Jordan. It's a backup big man. And they got Jeff Green, who could play small forward, power forward, and even a stretch five, who's Kevin Durant's teammate from Oklahoma City, you know, Seattle Supersonics back today. So they didn't trade for Harden or anybody else as of now. And with the young with the with the Dinny Whittle on the bench, the Jared Allen as a center, Karis LeVert, Inc., and you know, Landry Shamet, and then DeAndre Jordan and Jeff Green and Tyler Johnson and Tarun Prince off the bench, and with Joe Harris is shooting, they got to keep that all intact. I feel like they're going to be a top four seed this year. I feel like they're going to maybe make it to the conference final, and not the Bucks or the Sixers. Like they, there's a really good chance of of getting there on the backs of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to the same players. The question is, how will Kyrie Irving work with having Kevin Durant as a better player and better scorer than him, and will he facilitate and not be a ball hog because he's a great ball handler? People want the ball in his hands, but hey. You gotta set up Joe Harris. You gotta set up Jared Allen. You gotta, you know, 
throw the ball inside to, you know, your big man. Like, Karis LeVert's going to want to have the ball. Now, the thing, though, on this team is the question, who's going to play power forward? Because if you start Joe Harris at two guard and you start Kevin Durant at small forward and you start Kyrie at point guard and you start Jared on center, who's going to be the power forward? Are you going to start this Claxton guy at power forward? Are you going to start Reggie Perry at power forward? This Kuk? Karokas guy, or are you going to play Kevin Durant stretch four and have Joe Harris play alongside Karis LeVert and Lance or will Jeff Green be your fetch four? That will all fall on the fact that uh, this will be Steve Nash's first year head coach. They still have Jock Vaughn and Wussy Sitson last year when they fired their head coach. Mike D'Antoni, the former head coach, they hired a longtime NBA player and coach and Mickey Udoka. They even hired Amari Stoudemire for the player development. So having Jock Vaughn, who coached for the Magic and was the Nets assist, uh, you know, assistant and interim you know, Udoka, who's been around the block before as a as an assistant, and Mike D'Antoni, who was Steve Nash's coach before in Phoenix, they will have to figure it out. What's the best starting five? Are they going to be able to handle Kyrie Irving's personality and, and he and Kevin Durant together on the court at the same time? Because if everything goes the right way, it could be an NBA Finals or a championship, but it also has the potential of being a big bust situation. And they also have Tiago Splitter as a developmental coach and assistant player. So, again, they got all these guys that uh, Steve Nash can rely on. And if the Nets are a top-five seed, I don't think Durant or Irving can win MVP because they're on the same team. But I feel like Steve Nash will get some, you know, NBA head coach votes for Coach of the Year. Now, the other team in that division is the Raptors, where everybody was so surprised last year that they had made the playoffs because... Kyrie Irving left, not Kyrie Irving, excuse me, wrong team, that was Brooklyn. It was that Kawhi Leonard left, and they also lost Dan, uh, Danny Green, both guys from the Spurs who helped them win a championship, and you're like, cool, 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 what are we going to do without him, without our starting small forward and without our starting two guard? But Nick Nurse, who people were like, whoa, 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 why find Dwayne Casey? You used to get the Raptors like a top record, the top two record, and they would always lose in the playoffs. Whoa, 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 like, what are you doing? Like, the guy, you know, knows what he's doing, and... um And uh, it'd be like, okay, cool, what are you doing? But then, guess what? Nick Nurse won a championship. Last year, the Raptors finished with the second seed in the whole entire conference, in the whole entire conference. So they won the championship in Nick Nurse's first full season. And in his second season, he had the second best record. And you're just like, cool, cool, cool. Um, I think Nick Nurse knows how to coach. He knows how to have a culture so and a system where people can fit in. And also, a player like Fred Van Fleet, he broke out in the regular season in the bubble, and we all see Occam's been an all-star, and they too broke out. And those are two key pieces, which is why they extended Fred Van Fleet to a multi-year deal for four years and $85 million, and that's good. But they're not going to be a top-five seed. I don't even know if they're going to be a top-six seed. I feel like they're two... That with you add what Siakam does, and Kyle Lowry, the all-star point guard veteran who's still on the team... And you got Fred Van Fleet who broke out a bit that, okay, they're not going to not make the playoffs, but they'll probably be like the Pacers where they're good enough to make the playoffs at the 6th or 7th spot, like a guarantee that they will, but I don't think they're going to really do anything in the playoffs. And also, they lost Serge Ibaka and Marcus Soule. So they don't have any other you know, center power forward combination they have with Siakam. And they did sign Alex Lynn, but Alex Lynn has not lived up to his potential, and he's just been traveling from team to team. And Aaron Baines is a great defensive player and rebounder, but it's like just shuffling the pieces. You got kind of worse at the big man spot. And um, in the draft, you did draft a guard so who's supposedly good about the pick and roll. And he'll play nicely with Siakam and Flan Fleet. And he's great defensively for that system. And he'll learn behind Kyle Lowry. But the thing about this Malachi Flynn guy is if you're trying to make the playoffs this year, it's not going to really help you. If you're an undersized point guard, you really can't play alongside Lowry and Fred Van Fleet because Lowry also is undersized and, La- and Fred Van Fleet's kind of undersized, so it doesn't really help. So their draft pick, not going to help them. They rotated the deck chairs for their uh, for their big man. That doesn't help them out. OG Adenube played really well last year at the wing position. It's good for them. They still got Stanley Johnson, and they still got Pat McCall and Norman Powell. But again, no offense to Pat McCall, Norman Powell, Stanley Johnson, or even OJ Nube. It's like, it just, it is really Siakam's team now because he doesn't have any of the veteran big men that he can rely on. It's just him and Kyle Lowry and Fan Van Fleet. Sorry, Nick Nurse. You're not going to have a top five seed. You're going to barely make the playoffs. And if you're, re- and they really have a bad year, you should probably trade Kyle Lowry before he becomes a free agent and lose that, and you don't get anything back for him. 
Because, yeah, they're, they're just they're going on the down downhaul. Now the Knicks. The New York Knicks. And obviously, you're like, why didn't I talk more about the Raptors? Really not much to talk more about the Raptors when they lose their two veteran big men and it's Lowry's final season and they're just relying on shuffling the chairs and uh, their you know their two guard and small four play isn't that great and their center play is not going to be that great. And Vid Van Fleet, playing with Kyle Lowry can happen. It's just not the best idea. Now, the thing about the Knicks is they, got, they drafted R.J. Barrett last year and, you know, they got unlucky where they had a really bad record and they couldn't get a top pick. It went to Zion and John Morant going to New Orleans and Memphis. And they got themselves, and they got R.J. Barrett, and they got Kevin Knox. And it's like, okay, is Kevin Knox and R.J. Barrett really that bad? Well, R.J. Barrett played okay last year, but he wasn't the best rookie last year. There were plenty of rookies that are better than Kevin Knox. Really lived up to his potential. They had Frank lead on their team for a while, and that man hasn't lived up to his potential the three years he's been here. They got Alfred Payton last year. He never lived up his potential in Orlando, and he went around before he got here. They have Nerlens Noel this year, who's a great backup center role player, but he never lived up his potential in Philadelphia, and he's, at this point, his traveling role player. Julius Randle played really well in L.A., and he was the best player for the Knicks last year, but, like, again, the Knicks last year had, like, Taj Gibson and Bobby Portis and, like, Jabari Parker. and no, Jabari was in the Hawks. They had all these guys, yeah, Jabari Parker and all these people, and uh, when you say, wow, they had a bunch of guys who used to play for the Bulls all on the team, that was the thing. Like, the Knicks, when they had Taj Gibson and they had yeah, it wasn't Jabari Parker. The Taj Gibson, Bobby Portis, Julius Randle. They had all of these big men on their team, and you're saying to yourself, man, they got way too many power forwards. That's the issue. So the Knicks had Kevin Knox. They drafted a couple years back. RJ Barrett last year. Frank Nolito, they drafted a waggle, and they got and they got themselves Alfred Payton as another guard. Now, the other thing is they went and got Dennis Smith Jr., a young point guard that Dallas said they, he couldn't coexist with Luka Doncic, so they traded him for Porzingis. So the question is, who's your point guard? Is it Smith? Is it Nidalita Jr.? Is it Alfred Payton? They don't know. And again, Obi Toppin was the pick. They got him with the eighth pick. And the Bulls should have, as I mentioned, get him. He's 6'9". He's not exactly 6'10", 11 to be a center. But what they say about Obi Toppin is, is he can obviously grow, and he's very versatile, and he could, and he's probably one of the most ready players in the draft as he could grow to be 6'10", 11 and be a center, and he's not the world's worst shooter. That the question is, do you start Jewish Randall, who's been good for them last year, or do you give Obi Toppin the idea to start off the bench at the beginning of his career? Because Mitchell Robinson as center has been very good. Now, they also signed Austin Rivers, as I mentioned, Nerns Noel, and they got themselves Reggie Bullock and Alex Burks. Now, Alex Burke, Reggie Bullock, and Austin Rivers at this point in their career, they're great role players, like I mentioned, Nerns Noel. But again, the Knicks are going to be one of the worst teams in this division, in this conference. They should try to see if anybody wants Bullock, Burks, Nerlens Noel or Austin Rivers, even if somebody wants Julius Randle or one of their point guards, because they're really not going anywhere. And yes, they finally got the new front office, and they hired Tom Thibodeau, who's a great coach in terms of hustle, heart, and defense, and grinding it out. That I don't know if he's going to figure out the point guard situation, the power forward situation, and then if what he's going to get out of Kevin Knox and R.J. Barrett. So hopefully... He gets the most out of them. And if not, you can always just say, well, we screwed up on Neil Lee and Kevin Knox, and we'll try again because Obi Toppin looks like he could be, hopefully, the, the player you want him to be. Now, in the Miami Heat, they surprised everybody last year because they thought, okay, they're going to be a playoff team, Miami. Uh, but nobody thought that they were going to be upsetting Milwaukee and getting themselves to the NBA Finals last year where they finished with the fifth seed. And you're like, cool, cool, cool. They finished with the fifth seed, and they not only did beat Milwaukee, they beat the Celtics in the conference final. So again, they beat the Bucks, who were better, the Celtics, who were better, and they and they and they went to NBA Finals. Now I knew they weren't going to win because of how good, obviously, LeBron James and the crew were, and they won. But the Heat, I think, based on last year, the young players, the stable shooters they have in Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and Kendrick Nunn. Another year under their belt will help them. And Bam Adebayo broke out last year. They signed him to like a multi-year contract and match extension. So you add those young players at, at the shooting position and Bam Adebayo, another year of development to work again with Jimmy Butler, Eric Spolstrom, Miami culture, all that stuff. That's good. They decided let's keep Gordon Dragic. So they got themselves a veteran point guard to help the young players. Miles Leonard, a backup center, is good for their team. Yeah, they lost Derek Jones Jr., but he never really fit. And Jay Crowder is an okay hustle guy. But they still have Andre Godala again under contract. 
They added Mo Harkless, who will basically just replace Derek Jones Jr. and Avery Bradley, who's a great defensive guard and can shoot the three and handle the ball. So be him and, between him and Dragon, that stable of shooters, Jimmy can play small forward, and they got a great guard rotation. They also, in this draft, they got actually very good. For a team that was drafted 20th, they got this precious Achua four from Memphis. Now, here's the thing. He's a power forward because Miami has Bam, who plays center, but also Miles Leonard plays some center. And the thing about him is in college, he averaged a double-double, and he's got great defensive potential. So he can learn behind Bam and even start with him at the same time, and that will really help them because, you know, you don't always start Miles Leonard at center, and you don't have to uh, – or, uh, and, and I don't think they want to start Mo Harkless at power forward. Haslam's just a culture guy off the be- who just sits on the bench. I don't think they also want to play Jimmy Butler or Iggy at the stretch four. So it feels like between Miles Leonard, Kelly Olynyk, and Mo Harkless, I think only one of them are going to play at the same time with Bam Adebayo, and it's most likely going to be Leonard and Bam or Leonard and Bam or Leonard and Olynyk and Harkless just as the bench. So maybe Precious get some minutes here in the game. Miami did it again. You know, Kendrick Nunn, nobody ever heard of him. Duncan Robinson... Nobody heard of him, so that's the thing. Like, Duncan Robinson, nobody ever heard of him. Like, I, I it's like, where do you get him? Kendrick Nunn was, like, an undrafted guy, so it's like, okay, cool. Between Nunn and Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, who are, you know, either late first-round picks, second-round picks are undrafted, and they get a game with this precious guy, the Miami Heat know exactly what they're doing, and that's why I feel like they have a good chance to get back to the Eastern Conference Finals and maybe even the NBA Finals. And it could be them and the Celtics again or them and the Nets. I feel like the Heat, the Nets, and Celtics are really going to be the teams that you see at the end of the Eastern Conference playoffs and not Milwaukee and not Philadelphia and definitely not Indiana or, or the Raptors. But that's the thing about Miami. They got, they got the culture. They got the coach. They got the developmental system. And they get another year under their belt for the shooters. And they, and they said having Avery Bradley really helps them out. And keeping Jordan Goggins, Miles Leonard, so it's not you don't have to rely on Kelly Linick or Mo Harkless is a very good thing. And they drafted well again, so that's where they're going to be. Now, they're the best team in their division. Nobody in that division really jumps out because Orlando Magic are one of those teams where they're always good enough that they hover around where they're the um, they're like the A seed, and then they don't really do anything. And last year they were the A seed again. And it was obvious because nobody else in the East was good. Yeah, the Wizards were invited to the bubble, but they wanted to invite Bradley Beal to the bubble, which is what I'll get to when I talk about the Wizards. But yeah, the Orlando Magic will be probably fighting with those Pistons that I mentioned earlier they're, and their own team in their division, Washington, Atlanta, because there really isn't that much competition. They're really the, the first seven teams in the East are obvious. It's the eighth seed where you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. And the reason why like they're really good, Orlando, and they hover around is because... Nikola Vukovic has been an all-star, and he's a great big man, double-double machine. Aaron Gordon, he has never lived up potential, but he gets better and better and better. He's improving his three-point shooting, and maybe Orlando Magic will learn from their mistakes because they have, still have Mo Bamba, who nobody knows why they drafted when they have Vukovic, and they still have Jonathan Isaacs, who's a nice young big man as well. There's no need to play you know, Aaron Gordon at small forward because he's not a small forward because he can't shoot. So I feel like maybe Orlando and Detroit may not make the playoffs this year as the eighth seed, but Orlando's got to make a decision. Do you want Trey Vukovic because you think being the eighth seed is not going to get you anywhere, so you want to move on? Do you want Trey Aaron Gordon? Do you want to move on? Because in the meantime, as I said, you play Obama, Jonathan Isaacs if you trade one or both of them, and you still have veteran Al Farouk Aminu. Now, they still got Michael Carter-Williams and Evan Fournier on their team, and they they went and they have James Ennis, they got Terrence Roth. Now, the thing that really helped and they also signed Gary Clark. The thing that really helped them was when they went and got themselves, you know, Markel Fultz from the Sixers. And, you know, he didn't play right away in that season. And last year he had some had some moments. And the thing is, he is going to be their point guard for now, which means that the black Cole they had point guard for years is gone. Now, obviously, he's not the tallest, so Cole Anthony and playing together, not going to really help them. But... Getting Cole Anthony, who I mentioned earlier about the Bulls, if they drafted him, I wouldn't have been that mad because people talked about him as a, being a great player with all the other ones, but he had some injuries, and things didn't work out. But if you have him and Markel Fultz as your lead players and point guard are, are the shooting guard, it's much better than what they had for years, and that would push Carter Williams to the bench. That, that would push you know, maybe Evan Forty or Gary Clark or Terrence Ross to the bench. That makes your team better. But again, Orlando, if all you're striving for the ace seed, maybe try to get – 
much better by training the, the valuable assets like Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vukovic so you can give Mo Bamba and Jonathan Isaac consistent minutes and then trade some of your veterans like Aminu. And definitely Evan Fournier would help a team. Michael Carter-Williams, James Ennis, and Gary Clark also helps teams. And so does what's Terrence Ross. He was on Toronto, and they made the playoffs all those years. So, yeah, Orlando, you're just going to be, you know, like the eighth seed hovering around them. And then you got yourself the the Atlanta Hawks. Now, Atlanta Hawks did really well this year. And, um, and um, that's really what's going to help them is that this year, it's another year under Trey Young. We all know he's a great shooter. He's a great facilitator. You like him. He can lead a team. But the question is, the East, even as bad as the East is, it's not that bad that the Hawks would automatically creep into the playoffs. They're going to be one of the teams that is in that bubble with the Pistons, in that bubble of do they make it or not. They'll be in that playing tournament with the Pistons and and the, uh, and the the and the Magic and the Wizards. So here's the thing. The Wizards and the Hawks are both all in that thing, and I feel like the Wizards are better than the Hawks, but again, they're all in the same division, and it's all going to be the same thing. So the Hawks went and got Danilo Gallinari, so they could have him at stretch four as a three small four, as their small, or as a starting small four, and they can push John Collins to the bench, because he's not really a, tall enough to be a center, and he's not great enough so far in his career to be a power forward, and they could always trade him. So Danilo Gallinari can push him to the bench. The other thing that could also happen is Danilo Gunnar becomes the best six man in the whole entire league with him coming off the bench. Bogdanovich can start a two guard, all small forward, which again, that pushes youngsters, Kevin Hooterer, who are, you know, Horder, DeAndre Hunter to the bench. It also puts youngsters Cam Reddish to the bench as well. And they also drafted Anieke Angono, who I said, okay, this dude is listed as center, 6'8", but again, he's young and he can still build. So again... Like all these young guys, but getting Danilo Gennari and Bogdanovich to both play at the wing or one at the stretch four, you could push these young guys to the bench to give them more time to develop. And you got Rajon Rondo, who can also play at the same time as, you know, Trey Young, and who leaves some of the ball handling off him, and he's also still a great defender, and he could also learn from him. And they said, you know what? Clint Capella, we get him for a full season after we got him from the Rockets, who gave up on having big men. And by drafting that Angaku guy, he can learn behind Clint Capella. You know, by getting the shooters that they got, they they could always realize, you know, we don't want to pay John Collins a max deal, so we can eventually trade him and maybe get some assets back from him. Then they signed Chris Dunn and Tony Snell, two former Bulls players. Who one thing about them is they hustle and they play defense. So they get they improve their team in so many ways because they also went and got they recently got themselves Salmon Hill as well. So it's like. Anytime that you can get two young defenders, you can get two great shooters, and you can push some of your young players to the bench and the role's not so heavy, and you draft to the future with a backup, a guy who could potentially be your center as well, they're, they have a really good shot in Atlanta this year to get that eighth spot between Orlando, Detroit, and the Wizards. And the only reason why Washington would probably have the upper hand is because Bradley Beal is good. They were the team invited to the bubble because of him. They've re-signed Davies Bertans because he's had a great year as a three-point shooter who doesn't even have full ten fingers, okay? They no longer have to pay Jan Mahimi, who hasn't really been that great in the league as a center, and maybe they were hoping to bring him back so he's a backup. But they went and got themselves Ravon Lopez, who I mentioned Milwaukee. They were going to miss him because he's a great center. He can rebound and play defense, and that makes Thomas Bryan a backup instead of starting. That's a good thing. They also... Rui Hachimura is, was playing some minutes at power forward, but he's also really a small forward. And he himself, as I said, will go back. He'll, he'll, he's now going to go to the bench because they drafted Denny Avedio, who I mentioned that the Bulls could have drafted him because he's 6'9". He's a point forward. He could shoot the ball and handle the ball well, and he played in, 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 in Euro League as well. And now if he's starting at small forward and you're starting Robin Lopez at center and Bertans at power forward and Bradley Beal at the two guard, if Thomas Bryant and Rui Hachimura are coming off the bench with your Troy Browns, your Morris Wagners, your Ishmish, your Raul Natos, you know, Jerome, so make your bench a lot deeper. And the other big thing is they got Russell Westbrook in that trade. Russell Westbrook plays all the time. He hustles. He plays defense. He grabs rebounds. He's probably the world's worst three-point shooter statistically of all time. He probably is. But that's the thing. John Wall hasn't played in years, and he hasn't stayed healthy, and he and Bradley Beal didn't fit together. Russell Westbrook proved in Houston. He doesn't need the ball in his hands. He could just hustle, get grab rebounds, putbacks, and drive to the basket. 
And obviously, Robin Lopez started shooting some more threes in Milwaukee, so he can get out of the paint somehow for Russell Westbrook. So what's going to happen Washington is if you get, a, you get Russell Westbrook and Robin Lopez, who actually play every day and do what they're supposed to, pushes two guys to your bench. You kept Bertans, the great point three-point shooter. But the thing about Bertans and Lopez taking some threes and Denny Avagia, and you got Denny, you know, Den, Denny, and then you got yourself Bradley Beal, one of the best three-point shooters and scorers in the league. That means Russell Westbrook has the shooters around him, and this bench has got some shooters. Rui Hachimura off the bench can shoot. So that's what it is. You got all these shooters around Russell Westbrook, and he's actually healthy, unlike John Wall and Robert Lopez hustle. That's why I feel like Washington, the combination of Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal teaming up with, with what they have, a Bertans, Lopez, Denny, and Rui Hachimura as their core, that would be better than Detroit because, you know, that's the issue. It's health with Detroit with the two best players in Derrick Rose and Blake Griffin. And Orlando, Vukovic and Aaron Gordon are okay, and now they got and they still got Markel Fultz, but that's not amazing. Atlanta's got a lot of questions. How are they going to handle um, Gadillo, Dalnari, Bogdanovich, pushing all the young guys to the bench? What are they going to do with John Collins? They drafted a young center who's not that tall. Is he going to play power forward? How's it going to go? They got two young defenders on their team. They got Rondo. How are they going to play that? That's really what, what it really comes down to is that what are they going to do there? It's really going to be on Lloyd Pierce, the coach of the Atlanta Hawks, that 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 the uh, that his uh, his job is going to be very is going to be very hard uh, for for him to figure out how am I going to play the young players, how am I going to play the veterans I got, who's going to line up with this, who's line up with that. That it's just a lot of work for Lloyd Pierce to do that, and Magic is health and Detroit. The Magic is a ceiling potential in Detroit is hell. That I feel like Washington has the starting lineup that's the best. And by keeping Bertans, they got themselves that three-point shooter they really need. Now, the last the last team that I'm going to get to is the Hornets. And they're not as bad as the Hawks or the Cavaliers. The Hawks were last year, but the Hawks should be better. Everybody has the Cavaliers who are still going to be bad or the Knicks who are bad. It's, they're really just, their luck is that there's only two teams worse than them. And, of course, this year they drafted... And, of course, this year they drafted Ball because that's who was available to them in the draft because they could have used the center. They could have used a, a small four. They could have used a lot of things, the Hornets. And now where the Hornets, though, is they did draft... They did draft, you know... two. Other, they drafted three other guys in the draft. They drafted a center from Duke... They drafted a center from Kentucky because I said they're not really sure it's center, and they drafted another guard from Charleston. So they drafted four guys, not including Lamella Ball. The thing about Lamella Ball is he's not like a short point guard. He's not, you know, really, really small. He's actually pretty tall for a point guard, and we all see his brother's a great facilitator, and he can play really good defense. He can't shoot. That's the thing with him. The question is how good can he be a shooter, Lamella Ball? But, man, when you are listed as 6'8", and you handle the ball really well like a point guard and you're great and you're a great passer and at six eight you could probably be a good rebounder, that he's gonna have potential that he could win rookie of the year. That he could, like Kemba Walker in the future when he gets things around, single handedly will his team to the eighth spot. Now the problem with this team though is over the years they pay all this money and they have a bunch of centers and they would never got to play and Cody Zeller Never got opportunity to actually play center as a seven-footer. They sometimes played him at power forward. Then there was time where he just came off the bench because they had too many big men on the team they were paying all this money to. And that was the issue. They paid money to all these big men and never really gave Zeller the opportunity. And Zeller, you know, is 28, going to be 29. He's hit his ceiling. And then when Kemba Walker left, they're like, okay, let's sign Terry Rozier, the Celtics point guard, like a swap. That didn't work out because they overpaid him. Then they paid a lot of money to Kid Gilchrist. They got Nicholas Batum, who they paid a lot of money. They just cut... And by cutting him, they still got to pay him a lot of money. And they've had, they've had Bizak Biabo two or three times. They pay him a lot of money, and he's and he came back. Now they they repeated that mistake, and they signed Gordon Hayward to a lot of money. What's the point of signing Gordon Hayward to a lot of money if you made that mistake with Patoon, Kid Gilchrist, and all these big men like Al Jefferson, Bizak Biambo, all these big men? What's the point of that? So they signed all these big men, and they paid a lot of money to guys at wing, and then Terry Rozier, and they realized, we know, we had a mistake. So they're restarting a point guard for like the, sec- the second time since Kemba Walker's left. Rozier didn't work out. Lamella Ball's in center. Devontae Graham worked out for them because he played really well last year. Now, here's the thing, though. He's listed a 6-1. So I'm really not sure how good of a player he's going to be as a starting two-guard in this league when he's 6-1. But maybe what you can do is he starts at, quote-unquote, point guard on the, on the roster sheet. 
and Lamella Ball starts at, at, at shooting guard because he's 6'8". And then Lamella Ball, because he's 6'8", he can guard the taller guy. Because Vontae Graham was the rookie sophomore game. He really worked out. And he, you know, he had a chance to become the most improved player in the league. That's a good thing. Now, the other thing is they still got youngster Miles Bridges. And will be helpful having a guy like Ball to facilitate to him. Where, again, he's even shorter than Ball. He and Graham are both shorter. And then you got Zeller. So right there, that's good. Gordon Hayward, though, he may fit in as a stretch four if he doesn't play small forward. And then they're okay. But, again... They made the mistake again, and then Malik Monk. They drafted him three years ago, and he's an undersized point guard. Between him, Terry Rozier, Devontae Graham, they got three undersized guards to play with their point guard, and they got Bridges, okay? So, P.J. Washington's a nice young guy that they have as well, and I said they drafted four other guys. When you draft four guys besides from a mellow ball in the draft, even if they all don't make their team or play, you're not going anywhere. You're the worst team in your division. You're not the worst team in the league, but you're the worst team in the division, and your best players are the rookie you just drafted, the guy who, you know, people didn't know about, Devontae Graham, and Bridges, who you drafted two years ago. And maybe P.J. Washington is good. Maybe Malik Monk could be good. But then he paid all that money for Gordon Hayward, which you keep doing. Dear Charlotte, Michael Jordan, stop overpaying for free agents or extending guys to long-term deals that aren't don't actually deserve it. So to reiterate, in the East, this is how it's going to finish. Milwaukee's going to have the number one seed. Celtics, two. Sixers, three. Nets, four. Heat, five. Patriots, six. Raptors, seven. Wizards, eight. Magic, nine. Pistons, ten. Atlanta Hawks 11, the Bulls 12, the Hornets 13, the Cavaliers 14, the Knicks 15. And when it comes to the playoffs, I feel like the Bucks are going to easily beat the Wizards. Celtics are easily beat the Raptors. Are not going to easily beat the Raptors, so it'll take maybe five games. 76ers versus the Pacers. Sixers will win that one, but it won't be that easy. Net versus Heat. I feel like the Heat are going to upset the Nets in the first round. I just feel like the way the Heat are going to go. It all depends on the seeding. If the Nets don't face the Heat in the first round, the Nets can get to the conference final. But if they got to face the Heat right away, they're going to lose. Then the Buck. Are going to again lose the way they match up. Even if they got Drew Holiday, the Heat are much better if they're well, how they match up. And the Celtics are way better than the Sixers, so that's going to happen. And I feel like in the Eastern Conference Final, it will be the Celtics for the Heat again. And maybe this time the Celtics may go over the hump in seven games and they'll get to the finals. So it can go either way. And it comes to Eastern players, I feel like if Luka Doncic is the MVP, maybe in the West, Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler, then you're going to say Giannis again. So, okay, fine. Those are guys that can win MVP. Defense Player of the Year, it could be Jimmy Butler, it could be Bam, it could be Ben Simmons, it also be Giannis again, Rookie of the Year. As I said, it could be Obi Toppin of the Knicks, then you have the Wizards, it could be Isaac Kour of the Cavaliers, and it could be LaMelo Ball of the Hornets as well. Most Improved Player of the Year, I mentioned Devontae Graham could have won it last year. Jalen Brown could win it. Kobe White could win it of the Bulls. Sixth Man of the Year, it could be Spencer Dinwiddle. It could also be Danil Gallinari if he comes off the bench. Steve Nash of the Nets really are good, then he can win it. I also feel like they're always going to say Spolstra could win it of what he does in Doc River with a sixer. Executive of the year could be what the Hawks' Trevor Schlenick has done. It could be what John Horst the Bucks has done. So, but yeah, thanks for listening to On the Radar NBA Preview. This Eastern Conference. For the Western Conference Preview, check out the next podcast. Thank you.